Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Good morning, or morning to me, evening for you. How are you, Emma Weaver? I am great. You look amazing. No, I cleaned myself up. I knew you was coming to visit. How about that? <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous. Thank you. So how are things in Ireland this morning? Yes, everything. It's a beautiful day, even though it's April. So, yeah, we're having, it's good. all is good here at the moment. So it is. What well, about you? You were out last night, were yeah, you? Yeah, I went to the theater. My daughter, uh, they she worked on another amazing production. So we partied like rock stars. Yes, we did. Oh, beautiful. Well done. Fair play. Yeah. Mahoney Brains, you are back at the spot, the location, the place where the conversations are pointed and the guests are sharp, the responses are never dull. Today, we're going to Ireland. Oh, yes, I know. We have been to Canada. We've been to London. We've been to Australia. We've been to Scotland. But today, we are in Ireland. That's somewhere that I've always wanted to visit with Emma Weaver. What we're going to talk about today is mental wealth. How valuable is your mental health? What is the cost associated with that? Are you willing to pay the cost to be the boss? Are you willing to do the deep dive? What is the return on your investment? All of these things weigh heavily. We're also gonna talk about IVF. In vitro, I've had some friends that have really struggled. And here in America, black people don't talk about infertility. They're talking about it more. But it was just not a conversation that we had. This was more for uh, a conversation that was being had by Anglo-Saxons and white Americans. However, the technology has advanced so much and my culture is pretty nervous about being lab rats. So we're not really proactive. But Emma is going to make us feel a little bit more comfortable because not only um, did she have an, her own experience with this, but she's also done the TED Talk. And she's the author of The Blue Line. We're going to talk to her a little bit about the book. I'm so happy to have you here straight from Ireland. I can't wait to get there. Are you in Dublin? No, I'm in Fermanagh, so I'm about two hours away. So thank you so much, April, for holding space for this conversation today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's dial back and introduce yourself to my brains and let them get to know a little bit more about you. Okay, thank you. Um, so yes, I'm Emma Weaver. I reside here in Ireland. I've lived in Ireland all of my life. I am the mum of three beautiful children. I have worked in the mental health sector for over two decades and left it um, just over two years ago and developed my own brand and my own business called Mental Wealth, as we have discussed. And yes, as well as that, I have wrote a book about IVF there's something about me that I like to talk about the things that people don't really like talking about and really smash some of those boundaries around some really important conversations that need to be had. 
Well, you know, there's a lot of fear associated with that. Women, the first thing they think is, it's me. Well, honey, newsflash, it could be him. How about that? (laughs) It's nearly nearly 50-50, and I don't think people realize, yeah. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with you. It is your perfect peace. It's in your perfect timing. Maybe this is not the journey or the path that you were selected for for this time. And that is okay. That doesn't mean that you still can't be the parent to many, you know, just by sharing the story, by by, uh, being a a volunteer, by fostering children, being a step-parent. All of these things are also parenting. But I get it. You know, I get it. When two people come together, they want to solidify who they are and bring their own child into the world. Tell us a little bit about your struggle and some of the things that you went through uh, and mentally, you know, yeah. what did you go through doing that, that process. And to be honest with you, April, that's why I wrote the book, because whenever we were going through the process, I bought lots of books, but they were all very medical and it was all about um the science behind it and everything medical that you go through. And it, it impacted us very emotionally. And I could, nobody was owning that feeling. And, you know, even whenever you think about it, I went through three cycles. And even when you think about the injections that you have to put into you as a a woman, like they're hormonal, you don't feel yourself. And nobody was talking about this. Nobody was talking about the emotional impact that going through IVF has on you personally, as well as a, a couple, or maybe you're doing it on your own, whatever your journey is. So, I felt I needed to talk about that and that is the book the book is my personal journey although some of the characters in it are fictional and that was just part of how I could write the book um but very much talks about the emotional like I never had anxiety in my life but for some reason whatever Mm -hmm. the treatment was impacting me it definitely brought out bits of anxiety in me I know I had an anxiety attack for the first time my brother Girl, he was a oh, he was a raging alcoholic, and he sent me to a place that I had never been before, and I started screaming, and my head was rattling. I mean, this was an intense one. I was like, "What in the world is this?" Immediately, I deleted that because that was not a good feeling. And there are people no. that live with that every day. But also, the chemicals that are injected into the body create the hormones. Uh, will cause the hormones to go all kind of ways. And then, like you said, with the relationship, you know, you want to have the baby so bad that sometimes you lose that intimacy. It's like, okay, I'm ovulating. Let's do it. You know, let's harvest those eggs. Come on, baby. You know, and it's not what it's meant to be. I knew a, a gentleman that worked on my car and him and his wife just struggled, struggled, struggled. And I told him, I said, you know what? Relax. This is God's work. This is beyond what what we can do, but what the doctors can do, what science can do. I said, relax, show her how you love her, you know, kiss her feet, uh, rub her back, take her out, tell her how beautiful she is. Well, needless to say, honey, and April worked magic because in (laughs) six months they were pregnant and they got a nice little chunky monkey over there right now. Everybody's not going to have this experience though. And it's very expensive. 
it's really expensive and here in Ireland in the south of Ireland I believe there's no free cycles you have to pay for all of them and mm. um, in the north of Ireland you can get one on our NHS system and then you have to pay for the rest and in other parts of the world you get three free so there's real disparities around um it's very much a postcode lottery as to where you live um, if you're entitled to help or whatever but see the financial strain that it actually can put on you as well and I just want to explain as well whenever you're going through IVF it's a feeling it's a yearning for a baby it's a you know whenever we were going through IVF some of our family members were having children we don't want their children you just yearn for your own in that space mm -hmm. but we very much as well April realised at some stage you have to accept not going through it anymore and maybe it's just not for you now we were fortunate it worked however for a lot of people it doesn't so there's a lot of acceptance that has to go on there and trying to understand it's just everything for different reasons now there's all kind of different processes okay so let me just kind of put it in a nutshell because I don't know, I'm, uh, I only got pregnant one time. I had the baby, but I was afraid because, uh, you know, I'm with a winner. <laughs> I, I, I was afraid, girl, I would have like six or seven. I had a doggone litter. So, <laughs> so I dialed back on that. You know, I was like, one and done. My grandmother had nine children. I don't know how she did that. I really no. don't. Okay. So now you, you have tried several times you go to the doctor and the doctor says well you know we might be able to assist you in that did yes. you go i know it's different for everyone but did you do like the injections that you have yes. to do wow oh yeah for years for, for years sure. so oh yeah so you have to be trying for about a year or two years before you go to your gp and say look we've been trying for a long time here and nothing's happening and then you're put on a waiting list which might be another year or two years and that's where you have to decide what are you going to do are you going to try and do yourself but yes um i was on injections for for all of not except for one for most of the cycles i was on injections so you'd one in the morning and one in the afternoon but mm. everybody's different and you get a schedule and everything's timed around when you ovulate, you know, when your menstrual cycle is, if you're having one. And it's all so meticulously timed. But at any time, everything can change depending. So you take the injections to grow, um, you know, to, to grow follicles in your ovaries. So you're, you're building follicles and then they're turning into the eggs. And then you've got to get them collected. So you go through a procedure where they collect the eggs. And then we had what's called ICSI. So they inject the sperm straight into the egg. Some people go through IVF and it's put in like a dish and that right. just happens naturally. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we done. We got it inserted directly. So you think in your head, well, that's it. It's going to work. And then that's inseminated then into me. And you think, of course, I'm pregnant and you're not. It doesn't always work. Wow. And then mm -hmm. sometimes it overworks. I remember back in the day before they got this, you know, more streamlined, there were people that had, you know, six kids or three embryos. Yes. yes. And <laughs> they're very happy, but then they're also devastated. Yes. Because it was like, you know, I asked for one and I got four. What am I going to do? Uh, I know a situation also that there was multiple births, but some of the uh, the embryos were not healthy. 
Yeah. Now, here we are in the United States, turning back the hands of time with a woman's right to choose. It's so difficult that if you have multiple births and one is hindering the other, what choice do you make to carry that full term? That's a whole psychological trip within itself, you know, or if you make the choice to do whatever it is that you need to do for the, the health of the baby and yourself, but then the government tells you, oh no, you know, uh, I'm going to tell you what you can do with your uterus. It's very difficult. Are, do they struggle with a woman's right to choose there in Ireland? Not so much. And um, there, there's different legislations over different things and they're very bitty. So it depends on what your circumstances are. So it's not straightforward. Mm-hmm. And um, a woman should have the right to choose. Of course, a woman should have the right to choose. But um, I do believe now, because I've only recently went through it, I do believe technology has improved itself so much, especially if you're going through IVF, they're able to maybe reduce putting people in those situations um i know no so we might have had 18 grade a embryos and we got them to blastocyst which is five days so your baby's five days kind of created at that stage and i mean we could have inserted two or three or whatever and each time we inserted one okay so you (laughs) the, the words that people use are crazy so you got and you harvest these eggs and then you were able to insert the sperm directly into them. They, yes. for lack of a better term, germinated and pollinated into your body and they yeah. reinserted them. So what was the pregnancy like? Was it like, you know, the first time you, you know, after you got the pregnancy, you were so excited because you were pregnant, but girl, that morning sickness and about four months into it, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was um, it was a normal pregnancy. So we were obviously going up to see a specialist because we were going through IVF. And once um, we'd been for maybe two scans, ever it just you just continue like a normal. Well, we just continued as if just a normal pregnancy that the baby was conceived like every other child. So once you've got to that stage, obviously where you're maybe twelve weeks pregnant, everything should. It's, it's just like a normal pregnancy. There's, oh, there's... wow. Well, again, to me, there's nothing normal about pregnancy, girl. I know. <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was beautiful. The delivery, all of that. But I was like, you know, I don't think I want to do this again. I'm fine. Uh, and then yeah. raising them. Okay. So then you do, you and your husband decide, okay, let's do it again. <laughs> and then you decide the third time, let's do it again. Yeah, but it didn't work every time. It didn't work every time. And and that's the thing. And that's why I talk about IVF. It's such an emotional um roller coaster. You know, you I you can't understand why it works sometimes and doesn't work other times. And that's it's very hard to understand that because in my head, you know, the five day embryo was implanted, it went expe- exactly where it was meant to go. And you just think, well, that's it then. And it, do- you know, it doesn't, we did, we weren't successful every time. So it's hard. And that's why then I really thought I need to talk about this to let people understand they're not alone. And because we didn't tell anybody we were going through it, we didn't wow. tell anybody. Now, w- when they insert the embryo, uh, is that a outpatient procedure or is that, you know, Oh, why you're awake? It's like a catheter. And if I, if you don't mind, I'd love to share with you. Whenever we we were successful, um, whenever there was a long catheter and 
you know, you're not under any anesthetic or anything and you can see it on a screen because they have like a Doppler on your belly and on your back so that the consultant is able to insert the embryo where it needs to be. And um, there was a flash of white light wow. when they inserted it and everybody was like, you know the you, you know what that was, okay? Mm-hmm. On, uh, uh, like, unbelievable flash of white light. Wow, that is the gift gift of life. Yes, and yes. you can't take that for granted. There's parents, there's people that get pregnant, you know, uh, yeah. and they're not prepared to be parents mentally. How did you? How did you? How do you parent, and how do you want to parent now that you have these little minds to mold and <laughs> you know to teach them how to walk, how to talk? They're going to school. They're questioning you. You are their role model. How does that affect your parenting? Well, I suppose um, I consciously choose the parent in a in a certain way where we're very open about everything and no emotions off the table because I've taken the good things and the maybe not so good things that I have learned throughout the years through growing up here in Ireland and rural Ireland and really made sure that I'm able to create opportunities for ch- my children that maybe weren't available to me if they wanted to and certainly to be emotionally available for them I think that's right. really important right right that emotional availability is huge you know yeah. a lot of adults aren't emotionally avail- uh, available to themselves and that's where the mental health comes in and the yes. mental wealth again like I said it's a return on your investment brains and it's something that you should really look into I'm reading a great book right now uh Atomic Habits Oh, yes, I have it. Yes. You know what? And it's funny that when I mention that people are just grabbing hold to it because there's habits and there's patterns and it is based upon your learning, your boundaries, your emotions, what you've been through previously, but breaking that, breaking those habits, creating new habits, identifying where you are, accepting responsibility for who you are, what you do and how you do. That's huge. All of that is is mental wealth. Do you agree? You have 100% encapsulated what I'm talking about when I talk about mental wealth because after working so many years, like over two decades, I managed mental health services across one of the trusts here. And and it's very streamlined. And I realize one size does not fit all. And we're maybe not thinking about it or approaching things in a certain way. Now, there is a difference between having a mental health issue and a mental health illness. So the two need to be maintained differently. So whenever I left, I thought it is in our daily habits. It's in our routine, how we build mental wealth. We need to be doing it. So you don't need to become unwell or have a mental health issue to be creating mental wealth. You need to be working on it every day. So I likened it to like a bank just to really try and allow people to visualize it. So every day you're depositing into your mental wealth bank. So you're going for walks, you're talking to people, you're meditating, you're taking responsibility, you're setting boundaries, you're building on your wealth all of the time in your mental wealth account so whenever then you need to you know withdraw if something happens in your life or you're not feeling great you then have created the tools and the routine enough to get you through those times as well 
you've nearly built up a reserve of resilience or well-being habits so if life does throw you a curveball which it does for all of us absolutely you already you have it all already packed in your mental wealth bank or account whatever it is that allows you to deal with life in a far better way if you weren't looking after your well-being exactly and again you check your eyes you check your colon you check your lady or man parts you check your ears check your brain exactly Exactly. and there's nothing wrong with checking in there's a different perspective we are like um a recorder we keep playing the same message over and over and over again until a new song comes on the radio and then you add that well brains they're not using recorders now they're using mp3s okay and so that means you need to download yeah how are you downloading emma who's pouring in you I actually read a lot, believe it or not, and I facilitate uh, a book club. So we read all different things. At the moment, believe it or not, we're actually reading Joe Dispenza, who we're absolutely fighting just amazing at the moment, breaking the habit of being yourself, which is all about what we're talking about, reprogramming your brain. We have the ability to check ourselves out or call out ourselves on something and realize it's not a true belief or our brain is maybe tricking us and rewiring our thought process about understanding what doesn't serve us well because just naturally we're programmed in certain ways or we've inherited certain beliefs. Um, time has moved on. The world is a different place and we need to understand what serves us well and what doesn't. Absolutely. Now, Amber, you know this, it takes a lot of work. You know, you do have to work on yourself. So I read books and I do breath work and I meditate and I journal every day and even you, I, I, every day. I know i journal yes. maybe once a week but then when you only do once a week you've missed six days of powerful information <laughs> have you ever done mirror work i have done some but not a lot if i'm honest with you i try different things and i do believe it's all about finding what works for you and what fits into your daily routine is what i think is really I, important i did mirror work and it blew my mind it's yes. like, you know, I've lived with this shell 60 years yes. and the tears just streamed from my face. And then we did a relationship one where you sat face to face with a, a total stranger and oh, wow. the facilitator talked you through looking in their eyes, feeling their pain, you know, understanding their culture, what they might've been through. It was powerful. It was powerful. I even feel it. You know, and the thing is people, um, are now, I find them disingenuous. Some coaches, not all, and I'm sure it's not you, but I can get you to do this. And I'm a transformational this, and I'm a mindset this, and I'm a this, and I'm a motivator this. Motivation is an outside influence, okay? That's fine. But the real work, the empowerment comes from within. It comes from within. When you're working with your client, how do you keep them on track? Well, we make sure whenever we're talking that we're setting, that we're being intentional about what we're talking about. So being intentional is something as well that people need to learn. And again, as you mentioned, part of mental wealth is setting boundaries and taking responsibility. So people quite often say, 
I'm straight talking and solution focused. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's the approach I take with people. Um, whether it's a hundred men sitting on a building site or whether it's on a one to one, really that's the way my brain works. And supporting people and walking, you have to meet people where they're at. You just have to meet people where they're at. You can't go anywhere with an expectation and start from there. And do you know what I also believe as well? Listening is a skill that we've yes. lost the art oh, of. Yes. Oh, yes. No, nobody wants to listen. I call no. it jawjacking. All they want to do is talk, 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 talk. Yeah. And what they fail to realize is that you're missing so much by not listening. There's yes. another perspective. There's another point of view. Yes. Now, in my office here, you know, people laugh when they come in. I've picked the people that I most admire and I've put my logo and I've created my own board of directors. Oh, beautiful. Because I admire certain qualities in these individuals. I'm able to align with them. Uh, I see qualities in myself that mimic what they're doing. And I'm trying to excel to another level. Brains, it's okay to have a mentor to have a yes. coach, but you need to see and feel what you want exuding out of their pores. Yes. You know, exactly. these coaches and mentors need to understand that you've got someone's life literally in the palm of your hands. It's no time for trickery. No. They may pay you 2000 3000 and be more jacked up when they get finished with you than they were before. How do you hold yourself? accountable to your clients emma well to be honest with you but it comes down as well to your values so you have to make sure that you're checking in with yourself you know we have a responsibility ensuring that your your integrity that you are you are holding integrity at the core of everything as well and um, i suppose with the years behind me proves some form of credibility and again understanding you're not a fit for everyone. Like perhaps my straight talking and solution focused, um, other people want more of the fluffy stuff, you know, so you're not a fit for everybody. And just making sure that you're meeting people where they're at and that your values are aligned. That's huge. Your values have to be aligned. Absolutely. And, and I feel I do a lot of work on myself. I'm constantly working on myself. You, you know, you'd see me at, you know, whether it's an, you know, you could go for therapy or I could be at breath work or yoga and all those things. You will never hear me talking about something that I don't support or encourage mm -hmm. that I haven't maybe done myself or understand it. And if I don't understand it, I will send you to where you need to go. You, okay, I think a lot of a lot of people try to be all things to all people and it doesn't need to be that way. It takes a collective. It takes a collective to, to support people on their journey. So bring that book forward. Oh. I want to see it. Yay. This is The Blue Line, Emma Weaver. What's inside the pages of that book? Ooh, inside the pages of this book is my journey through IVF from start to finish. Now, the characters in it are fictional, and that was just to protect certain people that had along the journey. But the journey of all the cycles and the consultant appointments and all are all in this book. And I really talk about the emotional impact and how it can have a stress on relationships, whether it's your partner, your family, at work. Like I worked the whole way through and didn't tell anybody, which I wouldn't encourage people to do. You need as much support as you can get going through that journey. And it may it may 
lead to a more positive outcome if you have the proper support around you. So can I just say as well, I started writing this book and whenever I had to put it down and I, I stopped writing it for about nine months. And then after nine months, I lifted it back up again and finished it in a week. Mm. Wow. So it's, it's, it's um yeah, so it's strange when you write a book, how you're called and then maybe triggered and then you go back and then you finish it. So it was special to write. So Emma, you have this uh, document, this book, you have your partner, you have your children, and you have faith. Yes. Your faith, did it ever waver during this process? To be honest with you, no, because, and this might sound a bit strange, but I dreamt about, I don't know whether you believe things, you know, come to you, whatever, but I had a feeling I'm and I dreamt. Now, look, I am in the creative, I believe all things seen and unseen. Yeah, well, I dreamt, I dreamt, I dreamt about her. So I thought, okay, she's she's maybe here already or she's there, thereabouts, ready to come. So um, that's what kept me going. But I also honour some people that go through IVF for decades and then at the end just have to say, look, this just isn't happening. So it's a different journey for everybody. What do you say to that person? I say just accept that, th that this is the way it's going to be because and live your life because it takes over all of your life it takes over your thoughts it takes over your finances it takes over your relationship so allowing people to maybe just understand and accept and you know give it to a higher power if that's the way it's going to be and just you know live their life and be happy in it and find the joy in other aspects in other things exactly what we talked about at the start no, everybody's no. so different Everyone is different. You know, you you can be, uh, and I know that it's different, but you can love many children. You can, yes. you know, you can adopt children from other countries. You know, there's uh, surrogates. To me, I don't know how I would feel about that. Um, I, I don't know either. I don't, I don't know, know how I feel about Well, you know, here I'm in California uh, and celebrities are big on that. And they're also, this is something else they're doing. They're scheduling when they want to have their births. So they're scheduling cesareans. Oh, gosh. I know. That, that's fine to have an impact on your body. You know, it's like, and you know what? There is a bit of trickery around it. How far do you go with this? Yep. You know, how, yep. how far do you take it? And definitely each to their own. Um, and I'm a huge believer everybody has their own journey. But you've got to really sit and think, how far should we be going with all these things? You know, helping people conceive that really want a baby and they're in that situation. Um. You know, obviously I've done it. So, you know, I I um I encourage if that's what people want to do. But too much messing about and foolery, I'm not sure. I'm you know I'm How old are your children? My children are twenty seven, sixteen, and six. Oh wow. So you spread it out a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, do you share with them how they were conceived or or oh, uh, yeah. in their in their uh conception? Oh, uh, 
Well, um, the six-year-old don't, wouldn't know anything yet. She doesn't. Are you kidding me? That six-year-old's got AI. She probably know more about it than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a talk with her later. I do tell her um the books about her, so I, I'm not quite sure what she understands that's about. So she knows I wrote a book, and she knows it's about her, but she wouldn't really understand that. No, you um, know, but but and that's so different now because the conversation with her generation going up. The yes. sexuality conversation is way different. Yes. Now it is a lot more, you know, gender fluid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so now these kids, they don't, they want to be non-binary. I know. They don't want to be male or female. And I'm not judging them. But when we talk about reproduction and yes. conception, we have to figure out where humanity is going. Exactly. You know, exactly because the physical what, what, body in its uh, like the the physical essence of conceiving just one gender has eggs eggs and one gender has sperm so i'm i'm not quite but now it's being genetically modified with these different hormone injections so that you don't develop this or yeah. you shrink up that or this that and the other so it just lean leans me to just kind of wonder I'm leaving my options open because I'm 60. I don't know if I'm going to get another 60. You know, really, I don't know if I want another 60. But where I am at this point in my life, I am just mesmerized by science, technology, but then also how people are still stuck and very rigid in this contemporary uh, mindset, which does not serve us. And what we need to do is we need to serve humanity. Yeah. And we need As to hold with it. Yeah. yeah. And we need to evolve, whether we like it or not. You know, when you get in an airplane, baby, you ain't flying it, you're riding in it. That's so, right. <laughs> you know, so you have to figure out what is best for you. Emma, mm-hmm. you've been a wealth of information. There's two questions that I always like to ask my guests because I want to get a little insight. So let's ask some fun questions. If you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be and why? Let me see. I would be, I would be the kettle that makes the tea. So that person that boils it all up, builds it all together, and then you just sit and gives you comfort at the end. Wow, that's sweet. I'd be the spice grinder. I like to spice it up. Absolutely. And what do you want your legacy to be, Queen? I want my legacy to be that I supported as many people to find their voice and use it to help other people so that it ripples. Well, you are a ripple effect. And those lush green hills of Ireland. (laughs) Okay. I'm coming that way and we are going to find tea. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I was thinking I was going to do a cruise, but the more I talk to wonderful people oh, like yes. you, I want to be there stationary and get a car come over. and drive. Yes. Come yes. over Just and come drive. Over. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you, purchase a copy of the book, and if you have any online offerings. Oh, so my book is on Amazon, so you can get it on Amazon. I'd appreciate if people wanted to watch my two TED Talks. You'd get them on YouTube, uh, one on both under Emma Weaver. If you just put in Emma Weaver TED Talk, you'll get me on all the socials under Emma Weaver. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, 
you'll get me on all of those there and an offering that I have if you go onto my Instagram and click on my link tree there is a free guide to six ways to well-being to help people and support people to achieve that mental wealth that you and I have been talking about today well it's the best investment that you can make brains yes I'm talking about ROI because if you're mentally discombobulated everything else in your life is going to be messed up you can't make good decisions you can't make good decisions if you don't have complete information and you're informed whether you agree or disagree it is what it is you can only grow and develop as emma said by listening okay and being willing taking a chance and also acceptance if it just does not happen make it okay in your heart that this was not my journey this time but next time you might have six tuplets. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Thank you so much, Brains. I need you to go in, handle your business. Like, love, share, and subscribe. Like, love, share, and subscribe to me and Emma's uh, information. We're going to put all of her contact information at the back. If you have any questions, please post a comment. If this was valuable to you, post a comment because this is how we grow, we develop, and we are able to research and provide you what you need. And we want you to have everything your heart desires. Thank you, Emma. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, Brains.